Hello, thank you for joining us for this podcast. I'm Rachel Kleppmiller, and I'm joined today by Casey Jaycox. Casey is the president of Client Strategy and Partnerships at K-Force. Casey, thanks for joining us. I am so happy to be here, Rachel. Appreciate the opportunity. Casey, we've been working with K-Force for several months now, a variety of areas. Uh, and today, I'd like to talk to you about what it's like working with us. And you can feel free to give the good and the bad, right? Um, but also, I want to get your perspective on what it takes to make our methodology successful in an organization. So let's first tell me about your role and, and what you do at K-Force. Sure. I am, well, I've been here almost 18 years, which just, I still can't believe that. Um, so I'm very, very blessed to work for a company that uh, has a lot of tenure and we have great leadership. Um, but my role is, is got four parts. I, um, I, I serve as a, an executive sponsor for one of our largest customers. Um, that's about 30%. 30% of my job is helping drive similar type success at a hand selected five or six other accounts. Uh, 30% of my job, which is a really, really fun part, um, I get to lead a mentorship program for our top performers. And the only way you get um, put into that group is you have to get referred in by our region presidents. Um, then I work with them for between about six months and where, where uh, we really drive down metrics to ensure value. And then the last 10%, which I think is larger than 10%, is um, some thought leadership work I do. Um, I do blog articles. Um, I do some uh, internal speaking. Um, and then obviously the helping with, I'm also a, a train, the, train the trainer, which we'll go into in a second, but just driving um, more adoption of the force management um, methodology. Awesome. So I know K-Force is a pretty strong brand, but just for everyone listening, talk about what K-Force does for its clients. Yeah, well, it's funny. If I, would have, if I would have answered that a year ago, I would have said something completely different. It probably would have been the, the traditional marketing spiel. Um, and if you asked someone in a different office, they might say something completely different, which is why we're talking today. Um, but K-Force really, we're, you know, we're a, a large um, professional staffing and services firm. Um, and one of the things we do is we solve four key problems. We help clients um, acquire talent more efficiently. We help uh, provide them access to strategic guidance. Um, a lot of times we ensure external compliance and internal compliance. And then lastly, we really help clients complete projects more successfully. That's great. Thanks for that background. You bet. You've been in sales a while, like you said, almost 18 years here at Cape Forest. Uh, I'm sure that you've been through your share of sales methodologies, as any veteran salesperson has. I'd like to hear from you, for, from your perspective, what made Command and the Message different as, as a sales methodology? I think the, the, that's a great question. I think, I think the biggest thing that made it different for us was uh, it put structure around what we do. Um, one of, the, one of the, my biggest enjoyments of working with with you guys specifically the sales curmudgeon i mean dave davies sorry dave i just aired you out there was he is, he is very curmudgeonly sometimes there you right? go. <laughs> um was you know john kaplan told me you are the subconsciously competent and I, I wasn't sure i think that's a compliment i'm not sure you know <laughs> and what force management taught us is the structure the value-based framework how do i how can i teach that to a three-month rep a one-day-old rep a six-month rep a uh, how can I tweak a three-year veteran that's been here to get them to do something differently and without um, buy-in at the top from us from a leadership perspective and an all-in approach, um, it wouldn't have been successful. Um, but I think that the tools that you guys gave us, um, it, it taught, taught us a lot about, you know, Tim Cato said it great, the learnings and the struggle. And at times it was it was frustrating going through, nothing to, to the um, discredit of force management, more about just 
K-Force, we got to get out of our own way. Right. Um, we like frustrating people sometimes, even though that may sound negative. You, you do it well. <laughs> right. But that learning really is in the struggle. So would you say kind of really what made Command of the Message different is that kind of peeling back the onion a bit and, and getting you to really focus on what was important for your, for your customers and then enabling it? Yeah, I think for us, I, I, one of my biggest concerns is one of the, the initial uh, leadership teams that kind of rolled this process out was... Great. Who's these guys are going to teach us about the science? And it's like I don't, you know, they're going to teach. They're going to tell us what to say. It's going to feel scripted. And I, I had my my defense mechanisms up. I was excited to go through it, but I wasn't sure because I. And one of the things I I, I feel is the strength of mine is the art and the science. And you know, one of the the very first kickoff that Dave Davis said to us well, that was one of his opening lines was, you know, we're we're here to make sure that you guys have the art and the science. And the fact that he showed me he listened. Right, which shows me Dave Davies does not have seller deficit disorder, which if you don't know what that is, I would research it. Um, but it was just a, a great way to ensure ensure adoption by, by hearing it directly from him right out of the gates. Right. So so to those points, I think, um, you know, we always say we are not a, a butts and seats company. So if, if you are looking for just somebody to stand up in the big tent at your sales kickoff, that's not commanding the message. Uh so given your perspective and just going through this, what do you think are some key things that other sales leaders need to understand before they go down this path? I'd focus on three things, Rachel. Um, I'm going to embarrass myself here. So those that have kids probably know who Elsa is from Frozen and the famous song, Let It Go. <laughs> I embarrassingly, embarrassingly to myself, um, Tim Cato and John Kaplan made me sing Let It Go, which I'm not going to do today, so don't ask <laughs> Uh, in front of 800 of our employees. Um, and I joke about it, but the point is you have to let go. If, if you come into this um, transformation with preconceived notions or judgment or walls, um, not being able to be coached, um, it's not going to work. It won't work. Um, not to your discredit, but it's mainly to people. Um, and just like we've talked about before, sometimes you got to say no to customers. But mm -hmm. the fact is if you have the ability to let go, the ability to coach, the, the ability to say, like Kaplan says, it's okay not to know. It's just okay not to do anything about it. And we, we had gaps. And Force Management did an amazing job helping us bring those gaps together. Um, the second point I talk about that, that we are doing now all the time, which is making us very, very um, effective, is the art of practice. Practicing often. Uh, role plays are now part of our everyday, everyday culture. And at first people were freaked out by it. Like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. But I'd rather mess up, if, if you and I work together, I'd rather mess up in front of you, Rachel, than mess up in front of my clients. Because the days, like I mentioned before, the days of practicing on our customers is over. It's not, it's unacceptable. Do you think that that practice mindset is has been something that um, you had to do to make this methodology successful? I, I think, um, yeah, I think I would. I think I would say, well, I wouldn't say successful. I think it, I would say yes to drive adoption quicker. Mm -hmm. because now people are striving. People are, instead of, you know, six months ago when we would ask, hey, who wants to role play first? We'd get blank stares. Right. Which was really fun and not, not awkward. Not me. Right. <laughs> not me. But now we have people, hey, can I go first today? Hey, I want to go. No, I want to go. And it is so cool to see that culture being adopted. Um, so really kind of to understand that when you go down this path is to develop that process that gives people the mechanism to yeah. continually practice, perhaps post-training. I mean, we always advise that. But I think, um, again, like you said, you don't, you never want to practice in front of your customers, whether you're doing command and message or not, 
you shouldn't be practicing in front of customers. But I, I use, I love analogies. Sometimes my analogies make no sense. They make sense in my mind. But I like to try to hopefully articulate them well. But if I, you think about NFL football team, do they just show up on Sundays? No, right. they practice. Well, some of them do. Yeah, we, go. we won't talk about those teams. Okay. <laughs> but Monday through Friday, they're practicing. Uh, baseball teams, they pray, play every day. Well, they don't have time to practice. No, they do. They're in the cage before. They're watching film. Uh, pilots, they just don't show up and fly and hit buttons. They they go to recurrent training every six months. My father-in-law is a pilot for Alaska Airlines for years. My brother-in-law is a pilot. I have friends. So what makes Cape Force special that we don't have to practice? You know, you don't just come in at 9 to 5 and 8 to 5, whatever you work, and check out. Um, um, so I, I wouldn't, I practice could not be articulated and, and stressed enough. But the, the last thing I'd say is, which has really helped us, is the importance of enabling frontline managers and reinforcing the importance of what we're doing is our new culture. It's expected. Um, and as a T3, a, a train-the-trainer, um, we're inspecting our leaders around the company. And in our first run-through, we had a, I believe it was 58% of people passed. And it wasn't because people did a bad job. It was because people maybe didn't prepare as well as they should have, which, again, is great being great opportunity to get coached. Mm -hmm. And those people now are going through it, um, the, the recertification of it. And I think it's a huge kudo to, to Kai Mitchell, Dave Dunkel, Jolie Batori, Andy Thomas, and team to say, hey, we've invested money with force management. And force management, you guys have done a good job of saying, we want to be held accountable to a business metric. And what is our positive, pos, positive business outcome that we're going to help you achieve? And so we came up with those results together. And you guys are helping manage us just like we're helping manage you. So that's why um, those are some of the biggest things I thought have been ridiculously successful for us in our partnership. We love a metric, as you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what, do you think that that mindset of really enabling the frontline managers, and I know it's been been successful for you now, but was that something that you guys came in knowing you needed to do from the start? Or was it something you saw after rollout? I, I don't. I, I think there's probably different ways to answer that question. From my perspective, I, I don't know if it was um, consistent enough. I think you get different answers. Uh, I think what force management did in the training and the adoption and the transformation, I think it helped bring to light. You know, if I use Starbucks as an example, we wanted the coffee to taste the same wherever you go, right? We didn't want a mocha to taste like a Bud Light in Florida, right? We wanted it to be like, you know, <laughs> we wanted it to be a consistent menu that clients knew they were getting a consistent experience that they could count on in a repeatable way. Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, I think it, it that ability to enable frontline managers, and I've written a lot of content on it. We actually have some other podcasts on enabling your frontline managers is really critical because when you're talking about different offices, different departments, those managers are your boots on the ground. And mm -hmm. by enabling them, you can really drive the reinforcement of the behaviors that, you, that you're looking to improve. Yep. No, exactly. One of the great pieces of advice I got in my life is you are what you allow. And uh, again, this goes back to our leadership. Um, we're, we're not allowing good or JV performance. We want to be an elite sales organization. And to go from good to great to elite, the little things have to happen. And we're doing the little things. We're inspecting what we inspect. Um, we're not just telling people what to do. We're showing them. Um, our leaders are, are elbow to elbow. Um, in the battlefield with, with their reps every single day. We do have a lot of other sales leaders listening to this podcast who might have gone through Command of the Message or just looking for ways to drive reinforcement of whatever they're doing. Maybe they're doing it with us, maybe they're doing it without us. But what are the 
some of the things that you've done to drive reinforcement that you think has really contributed to the stickiness uh, of the methodology and its success? Yeah, I think a couple things. One, I'd say, you know, like I mentioned before, you, you can't practice enough and effective practicing, meaning, you know, for us, you know, whether it's, whether it's through the value drivers, whether it's through command of message, you can't just do it once. Now, I think I've been through your guys' training eight times now as I've prepped to become a T3. Uh-huh. Um, the number of times I've spoken to my internal team when I travel to other offices, the number of times I've spoken to them about command of the message, it's now in my own blood. You know, so I think you have to, you have to make it, you have to consistently practice the things that are going to be most important to help drive adoption. Um, but a couple of things that I, I want to hit on that for, you know, for specifically people who are listening who have been through command of the message or command of the sale before is medic and opportunity qualifiers. That is, that has been so impactful for us because, you know, we want to know where our gaps are. And I think as, as, as great as it is to say yes to a customer, sometimes it's more powerful to say no. And, you know, I have a phrase I came up with years ago. Sometimes I, I, my buddies here at work sometimes give me a hard time, but it's win the relationship, not the deal. I even created a, a blogging site called winningtherelationship.com from that that really focused on telling customers when you win, it's great. But sometimes when you lose a deal, you still can win that person by how you respond, how you deal with defeat, um, how you follow up. If you follow up with your customer who, who chose a different competitor before they followed up, you win. You show a different level of service. So um, you know, the, the whole medic opportunity qualifier has been great for us. Um, it just given a structure. It's given us a roadmap to really identify gaps, find the holes that we have, and ensure that we, we fill them. And a tool that they can use on every deal or opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And we've actually put specific um, criteria in place for when we'll do an opportunity qualifier. And you mentioned CRM. We're actually, that's part of our culture now, mm -hmm. where... Um, the, the methodology we're learning through command of the message, command of sale, we're implementing it into our new CRM. So our reps, they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, we're, we're kind of forcing it on, but, but we're doing it in a way that they see the value out of it. And we, they realize that, wow, if I follow this roadmap, you know, we always kind of joke, follow the playbook. How many NFL teams show up on Sunday without a playbook? They have a playbook for a reason. So you can learn, teach, repeat it. Not just you break the huddle. Hey, you guys go deep and you guys block and see what happens. Probably not going to be successful. That's a great point. How many? I knew that you 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 have done a lot of small things at K Force to really drive reinforcement and communicating even smaller successes. It might not be the giant deal, but hey, doing a great job in, the, in discovery with that specific client. How much do you think that those small celebrating those small successes have contributed to the ability to reinforce it? Uh, throughout the whole company. I think huge. And I, I don't think we've, I think the, our old culture was we, we would not, some people wouldn't want to over communicate those. Like, ah, I don't know if I want to bring that up because not that big a deal. And for me, over communicate. Like even now when we have a good follow-up email that Ray taught us or like the structure of that, what, what we wanted to show we listened. Um, I'll send, I'll send that email that the rep sent and I'll send it to Ray and I'll copy all the leaders to say, hey, this is the this is what we're driving adoption. I took a picture of a training we did last week and texted to Kaplan. I said, hashtag driving adoption. I'm not sure you knew what the hashtag meant, but <laughs> sorry, John. Uh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the goal was we wanted to, uh, I think, small, sto small stories um, told over time and told often in authentic, genuine ways creates a great, a great environment. 
great, a great environment to learn and a great opportunity to grow. Yeah, and celebrate those those quick wins, sure. small successes. And then get back in the huddle, call next plate. That's right, that's <laughs> right. You've mentioned the leadership team a couple times here, and I think that one of the things that we look for in a customer that's about to go through command of the message is do they have a strong sales leadership in place that's going to be able to lead from the front? And that is one of the leading indicators of success and that ability to let go to your point earlier, Elsa, um, (laughs) (laughs) and really lead from the front. And that's something that you have been able to really do here at K-Force across the leadership. Yeah, I I look back, uh, Dave Dunkel, our um, CEO and chairman, at our kickoff with you guys, as we're going through this a transformation. Anytime, anytime you go through a transformation, sometimes the rumor bill starts. Whoa, what's going on? Right. And what I love that Dave did just an awesome job out of the gate. He said, "We are all in. I mean, all in. If we're not selling, we're not for sale. We are investing in you. We're gonna, we're gonna make, um, make us elite. We're gonna invest to make sure that we fix the little things if we medic ourselves. Uh, the." And and to have that sort of authentic leadership from the front, passionate leadership from the front, um, to me was so inspiring. And I have a, I have a sense of um, not only respect but ownership to make sure that I owe it to him, I owe it to Kai, I owe it to Joe, Andy, and everybody else, my peers, to to hold that level of standard and and implement it and drive it. And um, I mean, I couldn't without without that level of support and all in. I don't think it would it would not have been as successful as it's been without doubt. And I think that's you know, it's really important for command and the message, the success of command and the message, which is you know, sort of what we're focusing on. But with any change initiative, that leading from the front is pivotal to success. You're not going to be successful if you don't have the, the leadership bought in. So as we think about taking on a sales transformation or this sales change initiative. What about companies that might be hesitant to pull the trigger? They're sitting there. They've got low rep productivity. They, their deal size is lower than it needs to be. Their reps aren't making quota. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them about taking on this on? I'd say, you know, my first thought is sarcasm. Do you like being JV? <laughs> Do you want to stay in the JV team? No. I mean, in all seriousness, I think I'd, I would just ask questions. I'd, I'd, I think if any company that's struggling with consistent brand issues or messaging um, or to the, to the point you, the metrics you talked about earlier, um, for us, it was a great fit, right? I'm not saying it's going to be a great fit for, for the, the B2B channels that are struggling to get scale with, uh, sale per rep, uh, increased customer visibility, um, social media, uh, increased, um, leverage points, um, little things that just every way you have, um, people promoting your message, uh, this can be a great exercise for them. Um, I mean, honestly, one of the things I was most concerned about was when we started going through it, we talked about ways that you guys told us these are the problems we solve. I'm like, well, how, how the heck do you guys know? And at my first thought was like, you know, my walls went up a little bit, but then I thought about it and, and, and Tim and team said, Tim Cato said, well, we're going to call your customers and we're going to interview them. Not just interview, we're going to talk to them, some of your most strategic ones, and then we're going to survey them and we're going to get real results. And... I don't know about you, but the tests I like to take, Rachel, are the ones where I know the answers. Sure, sure. Right? I wasn't, you know, I, I always used to say the Harvard, I mean, Central Washington, where I went, was the Harvard of the West Coast. I'm the only one to say that, right? <laughs> I confuse people when I say I went there. But um, the fact that w- w- 
our customers appreciated the vulnerability and the humility we showed by saying we want to get better and we want we want your feedback and we've hired a third-party external company to say let's work together to solve that problem um, it, it did great great things for our relationships with the customers specifically at a strategic level the ones that were really were um, long-term customers um, and I would just say be ready I mean like I mentioned before those that if you're if you're not ready to be all in don't commit you waste your money you waste your money and but if you can if you can swarm the um, force management team with a group of people who are all in, who are committed to culture, who are committed to change the brand, um, not just change the brand, but just create a more consistent message that you'll go to market with, uh, great things can happen. You know, great business outcome can happen. That's a great bottom line, Casey. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. Thank you for your kind words. We appreciate it. We love working with K-Force. And thank you to all of you for listening.